0: Hello, once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me in the betters box. This is ATS.io's MLB betting podcast for Monday, May 17th. I'm your host, Adam Burke. The Daily Article will return on Wednesday over at ATS.io. Last day out here in Sin City for me, flying back tomorrow, so no show with Brian Blessing. But the Daily Article will return here on Wednesday. Things will kind of get back to normal then. Uh, No more travel planned for me, so things will be getting back to normal over at ATS.io for you to check out in the meantime, lots of great content over there from our talented cast of writers. I've got a preview up over there for the PGA championship at Kiowa Island, so that's coming up here this week on the ocean course. Really interesting handicap there with a very, very large golf course down in the Palmetto State. So make sure that you check that out and also make sure you download the ATS app, which you can find in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. It's a bet tracker, an odd screen, a stats database. All kinds of really helpful handicapping tools at your disposal there in that ATS app. As I said, still not at home, so things sound a little bit different here for today's show. Hopefully, everything sounds all right. Uh, Bad internet connection here, so recording a video on my Chromebook to turn into an MP3 for today's show. So hopefully, uh, everything will work out here with today's podcast. But again, want to make sure I got that out to you uh, as much as I possibly could here. With everything that's going on. So go ahead and do a traditional format here today for the betters box. We'll start with a look beyond the box score, talk about a sabermetric stat of the show, talk about some line moves that we've seen dating back to this past Friday, give you a pick for tonight's action, and then finally, preview the week ahead with four series in the spotlight here for me. So if we take a look beyond the box score, something I talked about earlier on in the month, I believe I talked about it 10 days ago now or so, but The month of May has been quite a bit better for offense than what we saw in the month of April. For the full season right now in Major League Baseball, 236 batting average, 313 on base, a 392 slugging percentage, 24% strikeout rate, 9% walk rate, 13.2% home run to fly ball percentage, which of course down quite a bit here uh, from the last two seasons with the way that the baseball is playing for this year. In the month of April, we saw a 232 average with a 309 on base and a 390 slugging percentage. 24.5% strikeout rate, 8.5% walk rate, that home run to fly ball percentage, 13.4%. Now, interestingly enough, the home run to fly ball percentage down to 13% here in the month of May. However, batting average up 11 points to 243 on base, also up 11 points at 320, and then the slugging percentage. Up eight points. So even though we're getting fewer home runs per fly ball, we do have an increase in slugging percentage. And remember, keep in mind, slugging percentage total bases divided by at bats. Well, with the strikeout rate down to 23.3%, down 1.2% here for the month of May, we're seeing a lot more balls in play. We're seeing a lot more hits in general. We have seen an increase in the batting average in balls in play. And of course, as I said, that strikeout decrease puts more balls out there, more guys getting hit. It's just inherently going to improve batting average because a strikeout, well, that's a guaranteed zero from a batting average standpoint. At least a ball in play is going to find a hole You know, at this point in the month of May, 24% of the time. And certainly we've had you know a, our, our fair share of home runs this month, not as many as we saw in the month of April. It is a little bit surprising to me Not to see more home runs in May because the weather has warmed up a little bit. April was generally a pretty cold month around the country. May has been a bit warmer. And it does seem like the second half of May uh, could be even warmer than that. So maybe we do see a little bit of an increase in that home run to fly ball percentage. And what's also interesting about the decrease as well is that the percentage of fly balls is down about 1% from April to May. So maybe hitters have made that adjustment, knowing that the ball isn't carrying quite as well for this season. Maybe hitters try to focus a little bit more on those line drives, a little bit more on those ground balls. But typically, when you get a smaller sample size of fly balls, the home run to fly ball percentage goes up because you're still getting a lot of home runs, but with fewer fly balls in the sample size. So it has been interesting to see that. And of course, it does suggest to me what we've already been talking about so far this season that the baseball is different, it will continue to have a negative impact on run scoring and offense, and in particular, on the home run side of things. So I don't think that the weather in the warm months will do too much uh, to make a great difference in that department. But as we look at some other things here, you know, hitters making adjustments. Is that happening? What do we see in the metrics? What do we see in the numbers? Well, I think a big part of it is simply that hitters aren't striking out as much. As I've talked about already, that K percentage down 1.2%. And we're talking about very large sample sizes here as well. So a percent decrease from one month to the next is quite significant, means a hell of a lot more batted balls in play. So hitters are making more contact. That's been a positive overall. They're also making more contact on pitches outside the zone. So what that suggests to me is that Hitters are battling a little bit better. They're picking up the baseball better. They're kind of seeing things better, sort of getting into midseason form. So, you know, hitters are making good adjustments. Pitchers, I think it's been tough because we've had a lot of pitchers go on the injured list here this month, a lot of roster call ups and, and things of that sort. So, you know, I think it's kind of tough to evaluate the pitchers overall. But hitters are adjusting, and I think that's an important thing to note. Because as I talked about about 10 days ago, and it has continued here this month, scoring is definitely up. You know, we were seeing lots of six and a half, seven totals in the month of April. Well, we're not seeing those same line moves where a total gets bet down a full run or a half a run overnight, something like that, where the offensive environment has gone up, not because of increased power production, but simply because strikeouts have been on a bit of a decline. And the question is, Does that K percentage decrease stick around? You know, Because as I just talked about, a lot of pitchers on the injured list, hitters do have better timing, but when you look at the other plate discipline metrics, really the only difference is making more contact on pitches outside the zone. Hitters aren't really swinging any more or any less this month than they did in April. The swinging strike rate is still around the same at 11.3%. So this is one of those things that you really want to pay attention to. Strikeouts are down, walks are up. If this is something that continues into the month of June, then we should keep seeing this current offensive environment. If things change a little bit, we could go back to some lower scoring games. And that will be very interesting to follow as the weather warms up because we just have this natural expectation of more offense in the summertime. The lines oftentimes do reflect that, particularly with the opening lines. And you can see that. You know, when you see games that, you know, have more humid conditions, something like that, the total will be set a little bit higher or you'll get that 8 over minus 15, minus 20, something like that. So that'll be worth paying close attention to here in the second half of the month of May and also as we get into June. Something I've kind of had some discussions about while I've been in town here is, you know, there are a lot of people that use the metrics and the Sabre metrics the way that I do that are having tough baseball seasons. Other people are kind of taking a look at some of the smaller sample sizes, the last seven days, last 14 days, stuff like that, and trying to use that to their advantage. So I want to talk about that a little bit here on today's show. On Monday, I talked or on Thursday, excuse me, I talked about first five versus full game betting, some of the considerations that you have with that. Well, I want to talk about small sample sizes today. Because what I use to handicap, the saber metrics and the other analytics that I use largely require big sample sizes to be significant. Baseball, like any other sport, open to streaks, open to variance. You, know, you see a lot of people in, in hockey and basketball betting markets trying to play on those streaks, playing on some of the small sample size things, last five games, last ten games, stuff like that. The question is, does that have a lot of bearing? Does that carry a lot of weight with Major League Baseball? Can we or should we Ride those seven game, 14 game little smaller sample sizes, stuff like that, which you can get in the splits drop down box over at Fan Graphs. That's something that you can use if you decide to do so. Here's what I will say overall, I think it's very hard to use small sample sizes in baseball because you've got a lot of differences between teams, a lot of differences between individual pitchers. You know, if you wind up playing say, San Diego, you know, or a healthy Dodgers team or something like that within your last seven games, or you play both of them, you know, maybe you're in Atlanta or a Washington that goes out west and you're playing the Dodgers and the Padres or, you know, the Giants and the Padres, something like that. How much bearing does your last seven days have? Because those are pitching staffs, well, at least the Padres and the Dodgers, those are pitching staffs that are far more talented than your average Major League Baseball pitching staff. You know, if you play the Indians and the White Sox, well, that's a hell of a lot different than playing the Tigers and the Royals or something like that. So with these small sample sizes, where you're looking at last seven, last 14 days, something like that, the biggest problem is that you have to apply a lot of context to those situations. You know, if you play the White Sox, do you avoid Lucas Giolito? Do you avoid Max Scherzer if you play the Nationals? You know, do you avoid... Uh, You know, when when you play the Dodgers, are you getting Kershaw and Bueller and Urias? Are you getting Bauer and some spot starter? You know, there's just a lot of context that has to be applied to these things. Where were the games? You you look at the offensive numbers, for example. Well, maybe within the last 14 days, that team played a series at Coors Field. Well, you got to draw a line through a series at Coors Field because it's dramatically different than anything else. You know, did that team play a series at Fenway Park and then follow up by playing you know, on a warm uh, weekend series against Baltimore, You know, where in the summertime the ball carries really well at Camden Yards? That's the problem for me with taking a look at a lot of these smaller sample sizes. Because you have to apply so many layers of context that it's very difficult to know what's real and what isn't, what you should put weight in and what you shouldn't. It's a very challenging process. So, to me, that's why I prefer to look at the larger sample sizes where, yeah, maybe there are a couple series at cores, you know, for an NL West team or something like that. Well, maybe that's six games out of 35 for the season instead of three games out of 14, you know, something like that. So, it is one of those situations where you want to apply a lot of context to it. And maybe some people are very good at, you know, cherry picking the small sample size stats that matter. But for me, just because of what I know about baseball, the high variance level, particularly with a lot of the stats that I use, it is one of those things where I just can't use the small sample sizes. However, if you want to look at them, and again, there's so much information out there when it comes to Major League Baseball, there are some things you can take a look at. For example here, we're 16 days worth of games into the month of May, right? And the Tampa Bay Rays are continuing to strike out at a very, very high rate at 29.5%. Now, this was something that was an issue for them in the month of April. They had issues with runners in scoring position. They were striking out too much in that split. Obviously not scoring enough runs as a result. But that's a team where I would have expected their K percentage to positively regress a little bit. They'd make more contact. It would create a lot more offensive opportunities for them, so on and so forth. But it hasn't. And so when you look at something like that over a smaller sample size to see that something you expected to happen isn't taking place, then that's where I think it can have some validity to simply look at it and say, okay, I thought this would get better, but it hasn't. And now that we're seven, eight weeks into the season, it probably won't. So the Rays are just a team that's going to have to live with a very high strikeout rate for this season. If it does level off, they become a much more dangerous team. And possibly that's something you could use these smaller sample sizes to take a look at here just to sort of try to figure out if positive regression is coming. But, you know, again, are you facing a team that has a lot of pitch-to-contact starters like a Baltimore in that span? Something like that. So for me, I don't really look a lot at the small sample size stuff. I know that... In general, sports betting is a what have you done for me lately business. You know, it's one of those things where there's a lot of recency bias. A lot of instant validation and gratification is required in this business. And that's not even in terms of your own picks or in terms of your own ego or your hubris or anything like that. It's just simply we remember what we've most recently seen. You know, it doesn't matter if a team played really well went on that 13 game winning streak in April you know what have they done for me lately how are they playing right now and so you know I just I sort of look at baseball and I ask myself can it really be viewed in that manner you know are there areas and situations where you can apply these small sample sizes to your handicapping and a lot of people are gravitating in that direction kind of defaulting to that point, sort of saying to themselves, look, why does what happened in the first week of April have any bearing on what's happening now? And I understand that thought process. And I certainly understand that thought process in other leagues, like the NHL and the NBA, where you kind of get teams that go into form cycles and all of that. Maybe it does happen more in baseball than I realize. Maybe it is something that I need to be more open-minded about. But for now, it's something that's very hard for me to get past just because you have to apply so many different layers of context to those smaller sample sizes of just realizing that you know teams played bad teams or teams had big offensive numbers because they played in good offensive parks something like that one thing i think that we can do a little bit though is to take a look at bullpens in smaller sample sizes Now, this gets a little bit dicey, and I'll give you an example here in a second, but I feel like, and this is kind of more anecdotal in nature, I can't really quantify this, but I feel like relief pitchers kind of feed off of each other more than other parts of the team do. You know, when when relievers are really locked into a nice groove, you know, nobody wants to be that guy that gives up that big hit with a runner in scoring position, something like that. So, you look at the Braves, for example, right? The Atlanta Braves have a lot of talent in that bullpen. They got off to a very slow start. It's one of the reasons why they have a losing record right now. But in the month of April, the bullpen was putrid. And when you look at their last 14 days, which is what I did uh, you know, going into Sunday's games to write up a, a game preview elsewhere, they had an ERA in the 350s and a FIP in the 380s. And so I'm thinking, okay... This is the positive regression that I expected from the Atlanta bullpen. This is the unit that I anticipated that we would see as this season went along. Well, then what happened? On Sunday, they gave up five runs in three and two-thirds innings, and all of a sudden their last 14-day split goes from an ERA of three fifty two to an ERA in the five twenties. And so this is what I'm talking about in terms of the sample size variance that's out there where... You take one day off the front end, you put one day from the back end, and all of a sudden that ERA goes from 352 to 524 or 528, something like that. So to me, when I look at something like that, I ask myself, how much weight can I really put into a sample size that will change at the drop of a hat like that? Where, you know, five runs over three and two thirds in the grand scheme of things isn't that big of a deal for a bullpen but in a last 14 day sample taking one good day off the front and adding one bad day on the back well all of a sudden that era jumps by nearly two runs so how much weight do i possibly want to put into sample sizes of a smaller size like that and that sort of to me validates my position in terms of not really looking to use those all that much so Again, I think it's a good thing to talk about conceptually and I do think that there are people that do apply it in a lot of ways and I have seen that quite a bit from some people out there both in the content space and also in the pick space. But for me it's just it's not something that I can wrap my head around knowing that so many of the stats and metrics that I use require larger larger sample sizes because you get that very high degree of variance that comes into the equation. So Again, it's kind of up to you. It's sort of up to your handicapping style. That's just my take on it and my thoughts on it. But there is a lot of data out there. You can decide what's important to you. For me, I don't think the small sample sizes are that important. But for a lot of people out there, they are things that carry a good amount of weight. As we take a look here at the sabermetric stat of the show, one that I talked about with my good friend Brian Leonard. Met him yesterday for a beer, and uh, you know, a guy that I've talked to a lot when it comes to baseball betting and handicapping also a guy that helped me quite a bit in my early days here in this industry and continues to do so. One of the metrics that he likes to use is a metric called Game Score. Now, there's a version 2.0 of GameScore at Fangraphs, and then Baseball Reference has something different, a stat derived by Bill James, who, of course, very big in the baseball business, especially on the statistical side of things. But Game Score is a metric that really shows how good or bad a pitcher's start was. Now, as I said, FanGraphs and Baseball Reference do have different calculations for this. The components are largely the same, but FanGraphs does things at a little bit more of an analytically driven level. So, game score one thing that you need to figure, or one thing that you need to realize here about game score is that 50 is average. So, anything above 50 is above average, anything below 50 is below average. So it's almost graded on a scale like OPS+, WRC+, something like that, where there's a baseline and you're either better or worse than the baseline. So that's one of the things about GameScore. So it's a very easy stat and concept to understand. Now with the fan graphs side of things, they use a constant. So they basically take whatever a league average type of number is, adjusted for park factors, adjusted for the offensive environment, all of that, and they have a constant, which is something that they also use in their FIP calculations. Baseball reference doesn't do that. So if you see differences in game score between baseball reference and fan graphs, that's the reason why. But the game score components here are effectively outs, which is innings pitched. You get a third of an inning pitched for every out that you get. Strikeouts, walks, and home runs. So a lot of the same components of FIP basically just used, packaged, and presented in a different way. I'll talk about the baseball reference one here primarily because the fan graphs calculation is a little bit more uh, advanced, is a little bit more formulaic in nature. So for baseball reference here, as I said, it starts at 50, so 50 is an average start. So you start with 50 points on the game score. You add a point for each out, Two points for each inning finished after the fourth, you're plus one for a strikeout. So those are the ways that you earn points, so to speak, with game score. Now on the other side, minus two points for each hit you allow, minus one point for each walk, minus four points for earned runs, and minus two points for unearned runs. So game score will show you: did a pitcher work deep into a game? Did a pitcher have a lot of strikeouts? Did a pitcher limit the hits that were allowed? And of course, not all of that is within his control, but you know, usually you're going to have a lower hit total if you've got better command, so it does make some sense in that regard. You know, Limiting walks, limiting runs scored. So game score is a pretty interesting metric. It's not necessarily predictive, but if you do see a pitcher that has a lot of above average starts, that's a pretty positive thing especially if he's facing a guy who's had a lot of below-average starts recently. So it's a relatively simple evaluation of a quality start. And of course, a quality start, six innings, three earned runs, which, by the way, is still a 4.50 ERA. So I don't know why that's typically considered to be a quality start. But GameScore will, will sort of quantify how good a start was, how much above-average or below-average that start was. And you can see these on the pitcher game logs both over at Baseball Reference and fan graphs. And again, it's nice because it's a very easy metric to understand, that 50 is average, anything above is above average, anything below is below average. And maybe that kind of speaks to a pitcher's form cycle, you know, has he strung together four or five starts that were above average, stuff like that. So I think game score is a metric that has a place, and again, it's pretty easy and simple to understand and comprehend. We take a look down the lines here with some line moves over the weekend, and frankly, by and large, it was a pretty quiet weekend, uh, not for me. I did not follow the markets very closely uh, with a, a lot of things going on with the bachelor party that I was attending, but you know, pretty quiet overall. And, and I think this is an important thing to mention because we're getting a lot more data points now. You know, A lot of these teams, almost a quarter of the way through the season, which means starting pitchers have made about a quarter of the starts that they'll be expected to make, so we've got a lot of data points here. We've got a pretty good idea of what we're working with in a lot of ways. And again, as I've talked about before, the primary function for me of looking at these line movements of kind of going back and seeing what the market did, what the market thought, is to really formulate a profile of teams that the market wants to buy and teams that the market wants to sell. Are their teams consistently taking money on the overnights Going up 10, 15, 20 cents? Are there teams consistently getting bet against on the overnights going down 10, 15, 20 cents? And specifically, are there pitchers that keep getting faded or bet on start after start after start? So, just kind of looking overall at some observations here, you know, I thought it was interesting that the market played on San Diego on Friday, but then faded San Diego Saturday and Sunday. To me, I think San Diego is a clear-cut positive regression team. I know they've had a lot of injuries and things of that sort. But offensively, they should be a lot better than they are based on their contact metrics, based on their talent level. So I thought that was interesting, to see money on them Friday with Joe Musgrove, but then see money come in against them on Saturday with Chris Paddock on the mound, and then on Sunday with Ryan Weathers. And Ryan Weathers is a guy who is a regression candidate. His BABIP is too low, his left-on-base percentage is too high. So I understand the thought process there, but with that being said, the Padres are in line for a lot of better fortunes offensively, at least in my opinion. So I think they're a play-on team, but the market kind of fading a couple of their guys here for this weekend. Another thing I'm kind of seeing here is that the White Sox appear to be overpriced in the market based on the people that shape the market. We saw money come in against the White Sox in both games of the doubleheader on Friday, it does seem like the White Sox are a bit overpriced, are overachieving a little bit to a degree. And I also think that because the Royals have played so bad recently, there's been some recency bias in their numbers. They've been a bigger underdog than they probably should be. So those are a couple of trends, as far as AL Central teams go, that I've kind of seen here. Saturday, we saw Tyler Anderson money for the Pirates against the Giants. Again, if it's Brewbaker or Anderson, good chance the Pirates are taking some money. If it's not the Pirates are getting bet against. So a very simple formula there with Pittsburgh. Saw some heavy Trevor Williams money on Saturday against the Tigers and Jose Urania. Urania is a guy that has overachieved to this point in the season, in my opinion. So I did agree with that line move. A very high-scoring game there where the Tigers' offense has actually been decent over the last little while here. They scored a bunch of runs in Boston uh, a week or two ago. They've been a little bit better and it's just, again, one of those things that speaks to what I've talked about before of the most extreme of the outliers You know, do kind of find that regression a little bit earlier than others, where the Tigers' offense is still bad, but they're getting closer to league average because they were so far below it for a long period of time there. On Sunday, you know, a lot of model-driven lineup moves, guys getting a rest, things like that. We saw some starting pitchers get changed, things of that sort. I think we're kind of in the dog days of the season right now where, you know, pitchers are probably having some level of discomfort, you know, and and no pitcher is truly healthy out there in Major League Baseball. Guys are kind of reaching last season's thresholds in some ways in terms of their number of starts. Relievers probably getting to that point pretty quickly as well. Lots of injuries, minor league call-ups. At least we've got you know some data points now with the call-ups because the AAA season started, uh, I believe on May first. But you know I think it's kind of a little bit of a tough time in baseball from a health standpoint for a lot of players. A lot of injuries again here of late. So a lot of those things kind of dictating the market, sort of dictating perceptions and evaluations of these teams. Make sure you're looking at the injury reports. Uh, when I've been out of town, that's something I absolutely have to catch up with once I get back to my desk. So. Keep a close eye on that. Those are very important things. On Monday, lots of line moves here so far, and I agree with basically all of them. Uh, Logan Webb taking money for the Giants against Sonny Gray. Webb is a positive regression candidate to me, so I agree with that one. I agree with the fate of Taiwan Walker. That's Max Fried on the bump for the Braves tonight. I agree with that one quite a bit. That's one where if you played the overnight, I think you got a really good number on that one. Seeing money against John Lester and the Nationals to back the Cubs. Never going to disagree with a John Lester fade. Uh, he's just not as good as he used to be. Not as good as the name value would suggest. So I agree with that one. Also a big move on Yusei Kikuchi tonight for the Mariners against the Detroit Tigers and Casey Mize. Agree with this one as well where Kikuchi, you know, a guy that the Tigers really haven't seen. Uh, a guy that you know throws that cutter that he didn't have in 2019 I don't know if the Tigers saw him in 2019 or not, but you know that that's one that I do agree with uh, in that scenario as well. So as far as a play for today goes, like I said, I agree with all these line moves. Uh, you know, but some of these lines have kind of run out a little bit. I think Webb and the Giants against Gray and the Reds probably the one I like the most for tonight's action. So as we preview the week ahead here, lots of stuff to talk about with regards to uh, these games coming up. The White Sox and the Twins. We're going to run back last week's series here between the two. Dallas Keuchel, Jay Happ today. uh, Yeah, today. Lance Lynn, Michael Pineda, and then Lucas Giolito and Matt Shoemaker. You know, the Twins are now in last place in the American League Central Division. That's not something I expected at all whatsoever. I thought going into last week's series that we would see some Twins money. You know, the Twins profile as a positive regression candidate. The White Sox probably playing over their heads a little bit right now. But it hasn't happened for the Twins. So what do you do here? You know, I mean, at some point the Twins will get better. But do you bet on them to get better against a team like the White Sox? Do you bet on those positive regression signs and those metrics to come to fruition? I don't know what the answer to that question is. I won't be betting the Twins in this series. I don't really like any of the three pitching matchups for them. But we'll see what the market does with that series there. Tigers and Mariners. I just talked about tonight's line move with Casey Mize and Yusei Kikuchi. Tomorrow, Spencer Turnbull, Justin Dunn. Wednesday, Tarek Skubal and Logan Gilbert making his second MLB start. And you know, one of the things that stood out to me a little bit is that the Indians won the first game up in Seattle, but then dropped three in a row. And I talked about how you know it was their first really long road trip since 2019, and I don't know, maybe it was a time-change thing. Uh, You know, maybe it was just the fact that the offense still doesn't hit and, and really hasn't hit overall. But, you know, it's a long trip for the Tigers here. And these teams making these long trips have not really done this in quite a while. So, the question that I have, though, is can you lay some very uncomfortable prices on Seattle? I mean, they're not a good team. They're better than the Tigers. Everybody's better than the Tigers. But can you lay... You know, those minus 200 types of prices like we're seeing here with Kikuchi today. Can you lay a number with with Logan Gilbert in his second MLB start? You know, I I do think that the presence of Spencer Turnbull will keep Tuesday's line uh, a little bit lower. But that's the big question for me. You know, can you bet on these bad teams laying big numbers? It's not something that I want to do. And I don't think it's something that the market's going to want to do if that's the case in these next two games. So keep an eye out for that. With the line movements that we see, the Astros and the A's will get together again. Christian Javier, Sean Manaya on Tuesday. Zach Greinke, Frankie Montas on Wednesday. Luis Garcia and Cole Irvin coming up here on Thursday. I expect to see some Houston money in this game or in this series. The A's leading the division with that negative run differential. A battle for first place here, but the Astros have won six in a row, eight of ten. They've kind of found their level a little bit after having some COVID issues and some injuries and things of that sort. I like Houston in this series. I think Houston comes out of this series in first place. So make of that what you will uh, out there for that series at Oakland Coliseum. Lastly, the Red Sox and the Jays. Eduardo Rodriguez, Hunjin Ryu on Tuesday. Garrett Richards, Ross Stripling Wednesday. Nick Pavetta, Steven Matz on Thursday. Some offensive potential in Dunedin here. For this series, maybe not on Tuesday with Rodriguez and Ryu, but Wednesday, Thursday with Richard Stripling and Pavetta and Mats—that's a possibility. But the big thing to me here is I'm not a full-fledged believer in Boston. The offense is very good. The pitching staff is not this good. And when you look at Boston here so far this season, they played Baltimore nine times. They played Seattle. They've played Texas. They have not really stepped up and played teams on or near their level all that often. Well, Toronto is very close to their level. So I think we could see a reversal of fortunes here for Boston as we go forward. I think they're a fade team playing better competition as their strength of schedule kind of balances out a little bit. So those are some things that you can look for there with the Red Sox. So uh, like I said... Things will get back to normal here as we get deeper into the week. I appreciate you bearing with me uh, with some of the audio for the shows and, and you know, all of that, but, uh, you know, I've had some some nice feedback. People kind of miss the daily article, so looking forward to getting back to that once I get situated with everything, but, uh, you know, been a nice trip here, been a lot of fun, always great to get away, and uh, for anybody thinking about coming out here, it is basically close to about as normal as possible, so it uh, been very crowded, been... You know, just feels like Vegas again. So if you're thinking about coming out here, uh, probably not a bad idea uh, to do that here as we get into the summer months. Uh, Like I said, no show with Brian Blessing on Tuesday. Apologies for that, but I will be flying back, so not much I can do about that. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And remember that you will never strike out when you're in the betters box.